I, I know you're probably wondering why does he have a headset on and he's using a hand mic. Well, the headset's not working right now, so we're just going to stay with the head mic. So don't, uh, don't pay any attention to what's going on right up here, okay? Uh, happy Thanksgiving to you. I'm so glad you're here. For those of you who are turkeys, watch your heads. So uh, it could be a very tough weekend for you. Uh, we do know we got a lot of people traveling, and, and uh, this is that time-honored time of year where we all get together with family and friends, and we sit down at a table, and we eat off dishes that we don't ever get to eat from, and uh, the, we, we talk about polishing silver, which I don't know anybody who actually does that, but apparently people do that or used to do that. Uh, and, and then there's always the, well, for dessert, you get a plastic fork and a paper plate. It's, it's, I don't know if it's like that at your house, but it is like that at my house, too. Um, but there's also those those great debates and, and cultures we've talked about uh, in our in our culture. You see things about the top things you should not speak about at Thanksgiving dinner. You're apparently not supposed to talk about religion, politics, um, you know, money and things like that. And for whatever reason, they tell us not to do that. It just I don't know. Maybe it's just me. I have a desire to want to talk about those things even more. Um, especially with some of, of, of my family members that, uh, that I know have opposing viewpoints um, just for fun. So maybe that's just me. That's how you can pray for me this Thanksgiving, right? Um, but we also have these other debates too. And so let me, let me show you a couple of these things. Like, for example, the debate over, over cranberry sauce. I, I, is it in the can or is it the homemade kind? I mean, it, for us, it's not, it's not Thanksgiving unless the ridges from the can are, are on there. And you don't cut it before it goes to the, it's on the, on the plate in, in its canned form, right? And that way you know that it's been safe and processed. And, and somebody's got this weird ideal of, hey, I think I'll just make some sort of orange, cranberry, walnut, cherry, chutney, something or another. It's just not the same, is it? Because um, you've got these weird textures between the soft, squishy um, cherry, which is just gross to me, and then a crunch behind a, 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 a walnut. It just doesn't, is it just me? Or I'm, I'm not, okay, all right. Well, what about this debate here, too? You've got this one. What about what about yams versus sweet potatoes? And do you really know the difference? I mean, if you're being fair, and then we're not even going to talk about the marshmallow. Should the marshmallow be just partially toasted, or should it just be soft or no marshmallows at all? And I even know some people who put raisins in there, which I, I haven't understood that either. Pecans or walnuts? I mean, there's a whole other conversation there. Pecans go with sweet potatoes, not walnuts. Everybody knows that, right? Because walnuts are reserved for the cranberry sauce that gets mixed in with the orange chutney, right? And so we have these debates around the table, but we always seem to have it. What, what about this one right here? Pumpkin or sweet potato pie? Do you, and do you really know the difference? I mean, if we did a blind taste test with you and put the two in front of you and, and made you take a bite out of each, would you really know the difference between the two? <sighs> Some people are saying, yes, I would. It depends on if grandma made it or not, or if it's store-bought, did it come from H-E-B? How do you tell the difference between a fresh pie? Is it separated around the edges or not? Or, you know, do you refrigerate them? Do you not refrigerate them? I mean, these are just, these are serious Thanksgiving conversations, right? Well, you might be happy to know that there's actually a map that talks about where the different people in the United States, what, where they go for. And believe it or not, Texas says we're sweet potato people. Um, uh, I'm sorry, no, it says we're pumpkin people. We prefer pumpkin pie. And Louisiana, for some reason, Florida got missed out of this. They're out of the sweet potato belt. Um, I, I'm not really sure. Uh, this is scientific. I don't spend time making things like this. Somebody else does this sort of stuff. And, and then you've got this dark color, strongly prefer pumpkin pie. I mean, in Alaska, they're probably thankful to get whatever they can up there because it's frozen anyway. But, 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 you know, I mean, that's crazy to me. Look, all these Midwestern, northern, non-populated places are strongly prefer pumpkin pie, and the, the rest are are good sweet potato people. But, but what about this one right here? Ham or turkey? 
I hear dissension already amongst us, right? We're already, we can't even get together, the few of us that are here today and inside. No, no, it's Thanksgiving. We always eat turkey on Thanksgiving, right? That's just what you do. You eat turkey on Thanksgiving because that's the time of year by which the, the I've never seen the president pardon a pig, right? And so apparently it, it's, it's, it's ham or turkey. But, you know, if you're going to go with turkey, then I have to ask this one right here, stuffing or dressing? Dressing, yeah, and then if you do stuffing, I mean, I mean, northern people, they put grapes in their stuffing, they put raisins, they put, you know, I mean, stuff like that in their stuffing inside the bird, and does it really get cooked all the way? And if you get all the stuffing cooked all the way, is the outside of the bird all crunchy and dry and everything else? I mean, these are serious conversations we have around Thanksgiving, and we only do this once a year. I think that's why we only do this once a year, because if not, here's what happens when we, when we sit down at the table with a bunch of people we hadn't seen for a long time, we have all these disagreements. Thanksgiving looks kind of like this, right? And, and this is how it could be for us. And if it's not like this physically, notice Grandpa there in the picture. He's just standing there soaking it all in, just watching the rest of you. And, and I feel like he has some sort of devious plan in this, right? Like I got them. After all these years, I finally pulled their true nature out of them. And this is what Thanksgiving looks like. And, and, and so here, here's what I would propose to you this morning as we just kind of laugh about these things and we think about the debate between, you know, turkey or ham or sweet potato or pumpkin. And I didn't bring pecan or pecan into whatever you want to call it into the conversation. But when we start thinking about these things, what I think really happens is that at some point we make Thanksgiving just that time-honored holiday tradition instead of Thanksgiving really being something that is in our hearts all the time. And so this morning, I want to begin just by giving you four easy steps to being unthankful. And so I want to start with us to understand if you want to be unthankful, if you want to live a life of non-thanksgiving or anti-thanksgiving or whatever new millennial word they have for that, there are four easy steps that I want you to follow this morning. And I think they're, they're really pretty, they're pretty straightforward, but, but the first one here is just keep score. And so don't, not just at Thanksgiving dinner, but throughout the year, you should have a journal that you have that you just, you, you write down every time somebody's wronged you, every time somebody's done the wrong thing, every time things didn't work out the way you wanted to, every time somebody cut you off in traffic or the boss didn't give you the promotion that you wanted. I mean, you, you take 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the love chapter, and rip that out of your Bible. And at the very minimum, just do everything opposite of those things. Love does not keep score. It does, you know, hey, just throw that out the window. If you want to be unthankful, and I mean truly unthankful, you make a list and you keep score. And maybe if you're artistic, you put like photos behind the, 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 the different things you put in your journals and say, this is what I'm unthankful for this year, for this person, for the way they, they treated me, for the way they act. I mean, that's a surefire way to, to, to be unthankful, right? And then the second thing up there is defeat and devalue. And a lot of this just has to do with our language. Anything, any opportunity you get, if you really want to be unthankful, any opportunity you get to, to, de, to defeat or deflate or to devalue, you use all the negative words you possibly can. It, it looks kind of like this. I don't, I don't want to go there. This is, here's one for parents, right? For some reason, every explanation about everything a child doesn't want to do is always summed up in two words. That's stupid. I don't know what it is that that is just like the universal description of the things I don't want to do. That's stupid. 
And so you defeat and you deflate. Use all the negativity you possibly can, and I promise you, you will be unthankful, not just on Thanksgiving, but throughout the entire year. Whenever something doesn't go, that, that irritates me. I don't like that. That's stupid. That's silly. That's disgusting. That's gross. I don't like that. That's hard. That's difficult. That's challenging. That annoys me. Use as much negativity as you possibly can, and I promise you, you will be on the path to unthankfulness. I mean, you'll be there. I mean, and people around you will notice that, too. Here's the third one up there, too. Complain constantly. And I don't mean just every now and then, like, oh, well, yeah, I really don't like that. No, I mean just, just really get into it, right? Just complain about everything. Oh, the sun came up this morning. Yeah, can you believe it? You know, the sun actually came up this morning. It's cold outside. And then the sun wants to peek its head out there like it's actually doing some sort of warming or something. And it's not. It's just fooling you, saying, I'm over here, but it's not, it's not warm where I am. I mean, you just, I mean, really get into the complaining, right? Oh, we're going to Grandma's house for Thanksgiving. Grandma's, really? Great. Great. We're going to go to Grandma's house. Well, you know, you love Grandma's sweet potato pie. Not pumpkin, but her sweet potato. Yeah, but we got to drive all the way. I mean, it's like two hours to Grandma's house. You know, or, or is Cousin Bill going to be there? And, and which, which wife is he on now? And just complain. I mean, just find things. I mean, really, just uh, right now, I just want you to think about one thing that you're complaining about, just Thanksgiving-related. And write it down, maybe, in your bulletin. Just, just think about that one thing that, that, you're, that you are, have already complained. Not everybody else. We're talking about you here, right? We want this to personalize you because we want this to keep score because that actually leads into the last one here is feed the me monsters. Because if you truly want to be unthankful, if you want to have a heart that just has no thanksgiving in it whatsoever, and I mean no thanksgiving in whatsoever, make sure everything's about you. Make sure everything that you do, not just at Thanksgiving, but especially, I mean, that's the day that we, we magnify in unthankfulness, right? You make everything in your world about you. Use a lot of I statements and a lot of me statements. I mean, really feed the me monsters that hide under your bed or in your closet. Instead, give the me monsters a seat on your couch in the recliner next to you. Let, let that conversation go between you and your spouse if you're married about what uh, to watch on TV. Well, I don't want to watch that. You know, and then you go back to complaining, and then you go all the way back to, well, that's just a dumb, stupid show. I don't want, then now you're devaluing and deflating. And then every time we sit down to watch TV together, you just always fight with me and argue with me about it. You see how all that works out? It's just this heart of unthankfulness. Forget the fact that you're sitting down with a person that you care the most about and you're sharing one of their interests. Don't, even, don't let that even come into play. Make sure it's all about you. And so many times when we get to a heart of unthankfulness, whether it be just on one day of Thanksgiving or, uh, or the rest of our lives, especially this time of year, because a lot of people do suffer from something called seasonal uh, uh, di- affective disorder. I think it's what it's called, right? And, and it's, uh, yes, SAD, seasonal affective disorder. And this time of year is challenging for them for a lot of reasons. It, it's the time of year. It's the sun. It's the vitamin D deficiencies, it's past histories, it's all the things welling up inside of you. I mean, I can tell you, Thanksgiving for me, when I was a kid growing up, I hated it. The holidays are challenging for me. They're very difficult because a lot of my memories are being shipped back and forth between my mom and, and my dad being a, a divorced a child from a divorced family. And then seeing how different those things were, and then having step-siblings when I would go to one, and we'd go to their grandparents' house, and you never really got treated the same way, Right? And so it made those sort of things difficult. And then some of us, we, this year, we might actually be um, celebrating this holiday without someone that we celebrated with last year for, for a variety of reasons. And that is sad, and that is very challenging. 
But I'm going to tell you something, friends. When we get into a heart of just unthankfulness, you can see these four things and probably a couple of others, and it just really depicts and highlights the character of what we really think about, what really matters to us, and it begins to season all of our conversations and all of our life. It looks like that. And so if you really want to be unthankful, just be like this, not just at Thanksgiving Day, but all the time. Well, Pastor, this is a Thanksgiving message. You're supposed to be building us up and talking great things to you. I I am. But see, I believe that the the modern-day prophet is the pastor, and the role of the prophet from the Old Testament was to speak into into the now and into the future of people's lives. And so I just want to encourage you that as we talk about being unthankful, I want to speak into your future for a moment and just encourage you that you don't have to be that way, but every one of these things are a choice. They're all a decision. And so what is, the, what is the key to a thankful life? I mean, we can all think about a lot of different things we could do differently. There's a lot of things that we can just take off the table. Some of it is just a simple matter of just holding our tongue and not saying the things that we really badly want to say. Or even to the point of saying, well, I'm going to wait till we get in the car and, and we're going to get a good 10 miles away from grandma's house or whoever's house. And then you turn to your spouse and you say, can you believe they say, just not doing that, just holding that in in such a way. But if you hold it in for too long, I mean, it begins to fester, right? And then the me monsters get angry with you, and then you, it, you, it comes out in different ways. And so this morning, if you have your Bible, I want you to turn with me to Second Philippians, or I'm sorry, to Philippians chapter 2. There's only one Philippians, by the way, you're saying. Second Philippians. Some of you caught that. Some of you didn't read your Bible more, okay? Philippians chapter 2, and in Philippians chapter 2, Paul is giving us a great example of thankfulness. In fact, in Philippians, uh, he begins in Philippians with, with, as he does in most of his, with just a greeting. I give thanks to you always, praying for you often. I'm thankful for. He begins with that heart of thankfulness, and it wasn't even Thanksgiving for him, because remember, Thanksgiving is a uniquely Christian holiday that's only celebrated in the United States. Now, don't bring Canada into the picture, because, well, that's Canada, and that's just a completely different story, okay? And so Paul's writing to the Philippians church, and he's talking with them, and and they're having some struggles, because as he starts off a little bit before the passage we're going to read, he says, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed me, always, in in, uh, Philippians 2.12, so now not only is my, in my presence, but also in my absence, act this way all the time. But he gets to this point in Philippians chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. And this is where I just want us to spend a little bit of time this morning, just really looking at what he has to say about this. He's, he's calling upon his people, and he's saying, listen, do all things. You catch that? All things, everything, not most of the things, some of the things, or when you're in a good mood, but do all things without grumbling or disputing. And that grumble, these two words are just beautiful words when you start looking at them because they're really descriptive and they're really rich in what they're telling us what we should not do. Do not grumble or dispute. That grumble is an internal thing. And it's that, it's that under the breath, you know, it's that, it's that bearing down on your teeth. When I go to the dentist, he goes, do you grind your teeth a lot? I'm like, yes, do you know the people in my life? And so it's that grumbling thing, right? Because it, it, it sets off that attitude where you kind of go back to those four things and you, you keep score. You make it all about you. You, you, you make sure to use as much negativity. You have this grumbling, which is very internal, that kind of bubbles out. Just think of something boiling out of you like a, like a volcano project that a kid has in school. 
you, you put in a little extra and a little bit more, then all of a sudden the grumbling begins to come out. And then you get into the second part, disputing. Do not grumble or do all things without grumbling or disputing. Now, Jesus many times will talk to his disciples, and he'll talk to them about when you get into an argument. He doesn't say lay down and concede. He doesn't say give everything away. He doesn't say quit and give up. He doesn't say roll over and be some pacifistic Christian. He doesn't say because you're a Christ follower, you're not allowed to have an opinion. You're not allowed to defend yourself. You're not allowed to say He doesn't say any of those things. He never says those things. But what he does say when he talks about disputing is make sure your fight is worth it and make sure that that fight defends the kingdom. He doesn't just say defend yourself, defend your honor, defend your face, make sure you're the one who doesn't, doesn't lose anything on this. He says when you get into that dispute, you do all things without grumbling. So you take care of your attitude first, and then you take care of your behavior second. And I am one of those who truly believes that our attitudes shape our behaviors. And, 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 and sometimes I can have a very disruptive and grumbling attitude but I can check those behaviors because I'm learning to be disciplined. But you and I both know that you get into situations, and it will happen on Thanksgiving. Mark my words. You're going to be sitting at Thanksgiving dinner somewhere, and you're going to say, man, that Pastor John was right. Someone's going to give you something you've never had before or something that only gets made at Thanksgiving dinner, and you don't like it because that's the only time of year you see it. And they're going to make it. They're going to talk about how much love they poured into it. And, and, and they'll even say things like, oh, I just remembered last, last Thanksgiving how much you loved this. And you hate it. And you're going to take a big old bite of it, and you're going to just mm, swallow it right on down, aren't you, with as much humility. Now, I'm not telling you lie to your family members. I'm not endorsing that at all. But I am telling you there are some fights not worth having because they don't really build anybody up. And sometimes it's just green bean casserole and you just got to swallow it. Those things are slimy on purpose. They just slide past the tongue and go right on down, right? Do all things without grumbling or disputing. Verse 15, that you may be blameless and innocent. Those two words are also beautiful. That whole blameless ideal talks about this relationship right here, this, this horizontal relationship between man and man. It's talking about how we relate to one another so that, that when people look at you and go, oh, that's the grumbler and disruptor and complainer versus people are watching you so that you, you do not grumble or dispute that you may be blameless and innocent. Don't give anybody a reason by which to convict you. They can launch charges against you all day long. They can launch claims against you all day long. But if you are indeed innocent, you have no need to even defend, let alone to deflect all those things that come your way. And so while people may try to tear you down, don't give them a foothold by which to do that because your relationships are blameless between you and one another. If you really want to see what that looks like, move a kid from the kid's table to the adult table and see who gets bumped around the adult table and you start moving them apart. Or I don't know if it's, this doesn't happen in my family. We've had assigned seating in my family for 21 years wherever we go to eat. I don't know what it is, but it works and everybody just goes with it, right? But when you bump someone or you start setting a, the table arrangement about who can and who cannot sit next to each other, does anybody do that? You got certain family members you know not to put next to one another? Or it's probably better that way? Okay, I appreciate your honesty. None of you raised your hand, but you know in your heart you're grumbling right now. So let's go back to verse 14, right? That you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. 
And so when he talks about being blameless and innocent, what he's really talking about is, look, here are the things that you can control. You can control your attitude. You can control your heart. You can control your mouth. You can control the words that come out of your mouth. You can let your words be seasoned with salt, salt being both a preservative and a life giver. You can make them taste a little better when they come out of your mouth. You can choose to behave in such a way that you are, in fact, blameless and innocent. So any charges that come against you, you can defend and deflect those charges because you know them to be false, and you don't have to get into a place to where you're constantly protesting. And the reason why you should do that is because you are in the midst, in the middle of a crooked and perverse and twisted generation. People are watching you. They're paying attention to how you behave. They're looking at how you will respond in adversity. They're looking to you because at some point, and Paul's writing to to the Philippians church, he's writing to churched people to say, you have professed Christ, and therefore, having publicly professed Christ, people are waiting for you to behave Christ-like or not. And so since you have professed Christ, you should not grumble. You should not be disputing one another. And I'm talking like just all-out brawls. It doesn't mean that you, you just have uh, discourse or, or difference of opinions. But because you're in the middle of this crooked and twisted generation who are watching you, you need to understand, be careful, little mouth, what you say. Because people are listening. Be careful, little feet, where you go. Because people are watching. Be careful about the disruptions and the disputing that you have. Because if you do that, what you're demonstrating is not a heart of thankfulness, but a heart full of unthankfulness. And finally, he finishes with this, among whom you shine as lights in the world. You're an example. You're an example. And being in the world, a world that is designed to be counter to God... To have an unthankful heart is going to spill out onto others. And it's going to disrupt and dispute the claim of Jesus Christ that you have made in your heart. And you're going to do so by actions. You're not going to stand and publicly preach against Christ, but the way you behave and the way you carry yourself as this twisted and crooked generation watches you, you are an example. At Thanksgiving dinner, for those of you who love the Lord and said turkey is what you have at Thanksgiving, Everyone's focused on that turkey, right? They're looking there. Do you remember that scene out of Christmas Vacation where he goes to cut that turkey and he goes, oh, this sure looks good, and he cuts into it and it just kind of explodes because the inside, and, and, and he, they're still eating it. Have you noticed that? Oh, it's just, just a little dry, and he's dipping it in the water, you know, and he's crunching on it a little bit. He's got a good attitude. I mean, that Clark W. Griswold, he's no role model. Please don't misunderstand me. But he had the good attitude about it, right? And he had it all the way through the movie until he got to the very end and he gets his jelly of the month instead of his bonus. Right? Because it was the me monsters. They were being fed. Listen, like it or not, you're the turkey. You're the one out in the middle of the table that everyone's watching. And they're saying, man, that turkey is presented beautifully and is there to feed and to nurture this environment. But if that turkey is dry, or if it's cracked, or if it explodes, or if it gets up and starts slapping people around the table, then that turkey is really just a turkey. They're no longer the example. You are in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. What we often have difficulties with is that we're so unthankful 364 days out of the year 
that Thanksgiving day, the day we set aside just to think about the things we've been thankful for, we're currently thankful for, and we hope to be thankful for, it's just a day. It's not a lifestyle. It's not an attitude. It doesn't shape our behaviors. And so we get to a, a heart that really is displaying an unthankfulness because what will often happen in my home and in my heart and out of my mouth is I begin to compare cranberries or fresh cranberries, yams or sweet potatoes, stuffing or dressing. I begin to compare those things, but I take those into the rest of my life. And I start making comparisons for the things that I'm not thankful for versus the things that I am thankful for. And Paul is saying this, listen, if you've been keeping score, if you've been making it all about you, if you've been using negative comments all the time, if, you're, if your language is just filled with just negativity, then listen, when it comes time for, a, uh, for you to sit down and truly be thankful, you're going to have a hard time actually finding those things that you're thankful for separate from the things that you're not. And the rest of the world is watching you. And they're watching how you behave. And they're watching how you act. And more than anything else, and this is the beauty of it, you have been placed right at the center point of the table to be an example to a twisted and crooked generation that are looking. They're looking for the right example for someone to show them who this Christ is and how he has transformed your life from the inside out. I mean, just imagine for a second a world that you live in between your neighbors or your schools or your work. Where you're, just imagine for a second if you were the person that just oozed thankfulness. I mean, just all the time. That when someone came in to feed their me monster off of your table, that you didn't just make their me monster bigger, that you actually made it smaller. That you had such a heart full of thanksgiving because you realize that I am in the midst of a twisted and crooked generation who needs me to be an example. And it's not a burden that I carry. It is a calling that I've accepted from God because he has placed me here for whatever reason that my thankfulness might be an example to those. And so the first place I start is not by grumbling or by complaining, but by speaking life into things, not speaking death into things. Every time the boss comes in, he always says this and this and this and this. You know, sometimes he can be pretty challenging, but I'm thankful to have a job today. Sometimes it really is that simple. This is the worst job I've ever had in my life. Yes, but you have one, and that's something to be thankful for. That's the worst manager I've ever worked for. Yes, that may actually be true, but aren't you glad you're not carrying his burdens? Let's talk about the things you're dealing with today. How is it every time somebody comes in, and it's funny because when you start talking about those topics around the Thanksgiving table or in the break room or in the cafeteria or on conference calls, it's really quickly how we go so negative, isn't it? How we stoke that fire in one another and we bring that negativity out in one another. And Paul is saying this, listen, your sin nature, the nature of who we are as human beings, fallen because of sin in this world, it leads us to want to act, think, and behave that way. But you are called out. You're the centerpiece. And you need to do everything without grumbling or disputing that you may be blameless. No one can point the finger at you. And when they do, everybody's going to look and go, not a chance. I know her too well. I know him too well. And if he did mess up or make a mistake, that's a rare thing. And his humility has come out, and he's owned that. Do everything without disputing or grumbling. That's the key to a thankful heart. That's a key not just to surviving Thanksgiving, but that's the key to surviving all things and looking at seeing how God has for us. And in the end, we really want that, don't we? We just want a happy Thanksgiving meal. 
maybe we want it to be over relatively quickly so we can go on and put our nice dishes away and polish our silver next time or whatever, and family can go and do their things. You know, I love my family too, but I love them from a distance and in small chunks. That's why I don't eat cranberry sauce throughout the year, right? We only have this every now and then, and I want to encourage you this morning, what would your world be like if you just adopted a heart more full of thanksgiving than you did about grumbling and disputing, if you really understood people are watching you and you're the example, and you may not have signed up for this, but let me tell you something. Jesus didn't sign up to go to the cross, but yeah, he did. He did that for you to set as the example for you to say, listen, I'm going to go to the cross for you so you don't have to. But could we at least meet somewhere in the middle of this and you can be at least a little appreciative for what I did for you on the cross? Because the reason why we need to have that heart full of thanksgiving for what Christ did for us on the cross was because our sins were taken away from us. He did not grumble or dispute all the way there. He struggled and he strained to get up and make it to the top of that hill, knowing what awaited him. And yet he did so because he loved us so very much. And because we're the lights of the world in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, he has called us to continue to tell his story with thanksgiving, with joy to say we have been forgiven for what Christ has done for us. And so it may be canned or it may be orange marmalade, chutney, whatever. I'm with family who need to see how I behave, not just in the trivial things, but the rest of my life because of what Christ did for me on the cross. That's a heart full of thanksgiving. That's a life full of thanksgiving. That's what God has called us to. And so my challenge for you this morning is simply this. When you go to family or friends or restaurants or wherever you may be, live like this. Live like those people are going to come have dinner with you, and they're going to get to know you, and they're going to listen to your story, and they're going to find out what's different about you. I've noticed that you're not grumbling or complaining. Yeah, I really want to some days. I do. My flesh wants to just win. But instead, I've adopted what Christ has done in my heart, and he's changed me because I'm a living example of who he is in me, not just on Thanksgiving Day, but always. And so would you open your heart, not just your table up, to understanding what God's called you to? And so this Thanksgiving, you can compare, you can contrast, you can argue, you can talk about the Canadians all you want. But you can also just accept that Jesus has called me to a life of Thanksgiving, and I need to be a lot more thankful for what he's done for me. And the more thankful I am for what he's done for me, the more likely I am to behave in a manner that Paul speaks to the Philippians without grumbling or disputing or complaining, but as an example to those who are watching us. We have golden opportunities when we go from this place. We'll go back to our homes. We'll go back to our places of work. We'll go to families and friends to be an example, to let things just kind of roll right off of us. Or we can be the other kind of example. And so come Monday morning, a week from tomorrow, you may be full of turkey, leftovers, and all that good stuff. But are you full of thankfulness? Are you putting the me monsters where they belong? Turn up the record of those who have wronged you. Are you using life-affirming and giving language? Because that's what God has called us to do. And so I want you to have a happy Thanksgiving. I would love to hear about food fights. I really would. But I want you to have a happy Thanksgiving, but not just on Thursday. But every day of your life, because you have been called and placed and planted in such a position that God wants to use you where you are to be an example to those who are watching you. Let's pray together. Father, this morning as we think about um, just Thanksgiving and, and all the time that our families and our friends and our 
our relatives travel and the places that we go and even the things that we're not um, going to be able to do this year that we've done in years past. And maybe it's a little bit different and maybe it's for, for new families or younger families or maybe there's someone who's not going to be at our table this year that um, we would love to have them. But God, more than anything else, let us treat Thanksgiving as a lifestyle, not just a meal or just a, a short season this time of year. Let's do everything without grumbling or disputing. That We might be an example to those that are watching this. And so, Father, as we talk about these things here this morning, I pray they would permeate our hearts and we would live and, and we would imagine and we would think about what would my life be different? How, how could someone else's life be different if they saw me act, think, and speak a different way than what I have been? And so, Lord, if there's anyone here this morning that just been grumbling and disputing and maybe they're just anxious and frustrated about what the next couple of days looks like. God, I pray they'd find great joy in serving others, of preparing big meals and polishing silver that they only do once a year because it's not about those things. It's about those people that will be gathered around the tables. Those examples that we have to set, those generations and those stories that get passed down. So, Father, I pray that we would put the me monsters where they belong. And that as John said about his cousin, that he must decrease so that Christ must increase. I pray that we would do the same thing. Father, we are indeed thankful for what Jesus did for us on the cross. And we pray, Lord, that we would remember that each and every day, not just at Thanksgiving. That we would indeed be blameless and innocent right relationship with others. We ask this in the name of Christ. Amen. I invite you to stand and we're going to worship a little bit.